Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in Paul's letter to the Romans, reading there in the first chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I hope that all of you are glad that you are here in God's house today and that we may rejoice and thank God for the privilege of worshiping him. You have heard me mention that today is the third Sunday after Epiphany. The word of God, our text for this morning, is very appropriate for this season of the church year. We find Paul writing to the Christian congregation in the city of Rome in Italy. He's telling them that he had so often wanted to come and visit them, but something always interfered, and the reason he wanted to come there, he would like to preach the gospel in Rome also and have some fruit there. And when he talked about preaching the gospel, that led him to make a tremendous statement about the gospel, speaking by inspiration of God. And he wrote these words to the Christians in the city of Rome. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He said, Roman Christians, I want you to know this, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I do not blush because of it. I am never embarrassed because I declare the gospel, because he said to me, I want you to know this, that the gospel is God's good news, it's God's powerful news, that offers no less than life and salvation to anyone that believes it. I'm not ashamed. I'm very proud of the gospel because it's God's power. It is God's power, God's good news that says to men, here is deliverance from hell. Here is eternal life. Just believe in Christ. Just put your faith in him. Just put your confidence in him. And to us, Paul says this, as he speaks to us from the word of God, he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Please don't. He pleads with us that don't, don't blush because of the gospel. Don't feel embarrassed and humiliated by it. Be proud of it. Rejoice and thank God for it. And he says, because remember this, 
The gospel is God's good news. It's God's powerful good news that offers no less than eternal life and says, just believe in Christ. Just put your faith in him. Just put your confidence in him. And most assuredly, eternal life will be yours beyond the shadow of a doubt, beyond question. And you and I may say to ourselves, there is the hang-up that may come in our Christian life. We may say that there are times when perhaps we are a bit ashamed of the gospel. There are times when we aren't as proud of it as we ought to be, that we do blush about it. And perhaps for this reason that we say, I know that it's good news, but it seems to be good news that is just too good to be true. I know that it offers life and salvation, but the hang-up in your life may be this and in mine also when we say, but it's hard for me to believe that faith in Jesus Christ saves me, that just in exchange for believing in Christ, in putting my faith and my confidence in him, that I am saved, we may say, how can faith right all of my wrongs in the sight of God? This may be the thing that troubles us. We may say, I know that God's a God of love, but I also know he's a God of justice. And I know this, that as a God of justice, that every wrong in my life's got to be righted if I expect to be saved. There is no wrong in my life and what it must be atoned for, it must be made up for, if I hope to be saved unto salvation. And therefore, the thing may bug you and me and say, how can faith in Christ right all of the wrongs in my life? How can these wrongs be atoned for and made up for by simply putting faith and confidence in Jesus Christ? We may say, if I could be absolutely certain that, again, when the gospel, the good news offers me salvation, that it says, here it is, just believe it, that when I believe in Christ that I am saved, then you and I may say, oh, how desperately proud. I could be of the gospel and I wouldn't be ashamed of it and I wouldn't blush. But how in the world can faith in Christ ever take my wrongs and right them in the sight of God? And yet Paul talks about this very thing when he writes to the congregation at Rome. He says, in the gospel, the good news, here is revealed God's righteousness. Here God makes known how he writes wrongs. You and I may say, in this good news, does God tell me how he makes the wrong right in his sight? And Paul says, yes. And Paul says he does it by faith. It's first faith and it's last faith and it's always faith. And then Paul quotes the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, and he said, even there it says that the just shall live by faith. And we may say, how in the world can my putting my faith in Christ how can that right all of the wrongs in my life so that I can stand before God and know that every wrong has been righted and that God does save me? How can faith in Christ do this? This perhaps may bother us as it bothers many a person. And Paul would assure you and me of this. He says to you and to me this morning, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Be proud of it. Don't apologize for it. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't blush because of it. Rest assured that the gospel, it's no less than God's good news. It does offer life and salvation. He says, just believe in Christ and absolutely you will be saved. And Paul said, because I want you to know this, that faith in Christ does right all wrongs in your life and mine. It rights every wrong in your life and mine. 
So that again, it does it because Paul says, don't you realize this, that faith in Christ, when you put your confidence in him, that it joins you to Christ who has righted all of your wrongs for you in your stead, on your behalf. And it's well this morning for us to say, how in the world can faith, a little thing like faith in Christ, how can that right every wrong in my life so that the good news can give me eternal life and that it doesn't tantalize me with it? How can I be sure of that faith in Jesus saves that I can rejoice and not be ashamed of the gospel and of the good news? And Paul says, don't you realize that when you put your faith in Christ that it joins you to one who has righted all your wrongs? And you and I may say, what wrongs has Christ righted for me in my stead? And in the first place, Paul would remind you and me that when we put our faith in Christ as our Savior, when we put our trust and our confidence in him, Paul says, don't you realize that that joins you to Christ and to this good news, that he has righted this wrong, the wrong of your original sin for you? Sometimes we may say, what's so wonderful about faith? Well, you may say, what's so wonderful about the umbilical cord that is attached to the unborn child? It isn't that the cord is so wonderful, is it? We dispose of it after the birth of a child, don't we, with the placenta. But you say the wonderful thing about the umbilical cord is the fact that it joins the unborn child to its mother, and therefore the child lives. And so when we talk about faith in Christ and we say to ourselves, what's so wonderful about putting confidence in Jesus? How in the world can that right all the wrongs in my life? It's because this little simple thing of faith and a childlike trust in Christ joins you and me to Christ. That's the great thing about faith. And it joins you and me to him who has righted the wrong of our original sin. When we turn to the word of God, we know that God created our first parents in the image of God. They were created in righteousness and holiness. And we also know that when Adam and Eve sinned, the world fell into sin. The word of God says, as by one man, Adam, sin came into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all had sinned. You and I come into this world tainted with original sin. We are born of sinful parents. We come into this world without knowledge of God. We come into this world with no reverence for God. And every one of us comes into this world with concupiscence, with a bent downward, with a heart that is filled with corruption and lust of all kinds. As Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And you and I may say, how in the world can faith in Christ right the wrong of my original sin? That guilt and that damnation that when you and I put our faith in Christ, this is the good news, that he came into the world and he righted that wrong. He went to Calvary, let's not forget, that he took the guilt and the punishment of our original sin, our birth sin, and on the cross, because he was no less than God and of more value than the human race, and because he was a human being born of the Virgin Mary without sin, on the cross he made up, he atoned to God for that original wrong that you and I have by birth. And in so doing, he assures you and me that in righting that wrong and in the moment in your life and mine, when we put our faith in him as our Savior, in that moment he says, here is my writing of your wrong. I give it to you. And thus he assures us that God delights 
when Christ gives us the righting of that wrong for us, that God delights in saying, you have no guilt, you have no punishment for your original sin, you are saved unto eternal life. Faith is a tremendous thing, isn't it? It rights every wrong so that you and I can stand before God who says there's no salvation going to be yours until every wrong in your life has been righted. But faith joins us to Christ and Paul says, this is the glorious good news, don't be ashamed of it. When in that simple thing of putting our childlike faith and confidence in him, Christ says, I righted the wrong of your original sin here. You are no longer subject to the guilt and the punishment of it. God delights in forgiving you and in saving you. And let us also add this, God must. When you and I put faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, because Christ has righted the wrong of our original sin, God has no other choice but what to say to you and me, I forgive you the guilt and the punishment of your original sin you are saved. No wonder Paul said, as he wrote to the Christian congregation in Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't blush at it. I am not embarrassed. I'm not humiliated by it. I rejoice in it. I'm proud of it. I rejoice and I thank God because here is God's good news, the powerful good news of God. That says, here is life and salvation. Just believe in Christ. Just put your faith and your confidence in him. And today when Paul calls and says, don't be ashamed, be proud, we ought to heed that call and say, I am determined, I'm not going to in any way be ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to blush about it. I am not going to feel humiliated about it. I'm not going to be embarrassed. And I'm going to thank God that this gospel, this good news, it's the power of God that is able to create by baptism faith into an infant heart and to cleanse that infant from the wrong of original sin. I wonder how much we appreciate baptism. I wonder how much we appreciate that Paul said, this is the power of God. And the Greek word there is dynamis. We get our word dynamite. Paul says, why this good news, it's God's dynamite. It is the dynamite of God because the Holy Spirit works in this good news through the gospel and the Holy Spirit by means of water, which Paul calls a washing of regeneration. The Holy Spirit in that power is able to, by means of baptism, to kindle a faith in the heart of a newborn infant. And in kindling faith in Jesus Christ, even though that is an unconscious faith, that that child has the wrong of original sin righted. And that child becomes a joint heir with Christ of eternal life. I wonder how much we can rejoice today and say, thank God that in the good news of the gospel, Christ thought of everything. He even gave us baptism, whereby the power of the Holy Spirit, he can kindle faith in a child's heart and bring a child into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I wonder whether we ever say to ourselves, I surely should never be ashamed of the gospel. I ought never to blush when again I speak it. I ought never to ever feel that I'm embarrassed and humiliated by it. I ought to be proud of it and I ought to thank God for it. Paul says when he wrote to the Christians of Rome, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm very proud of it because to me, Paul says, it's again, it's the great saving good news of God whereby God in this good news says, here is life, here is salvation. Just believe in Christ. 
Just put your faith in him. And you and I may say, that's the thing, of, this simple thing of faith in Christ, how in the world can it right all of my wrongs? And Paul says, this is the rightness of wrong that God reveals in the good news, and it's the very center in Christ. And you and I may say, what wrong did Christ make right for me? In the second place, Paul reminds you and me, when we put our faith and our confidence and our trust in him as our Savior, Paul says that joins us to Christ and it joins us to this good news about him that he also righted the wrong of our sins of acts in our stead and for our behalf. We may say, well, how about all the things that I have thought that are wrong, these actual sins of act? How about the words that I have spoken in my life that are wrong? How about the deeds in my life that are wrong? How about the deeds that I should have done that I have left undone? We may say, how in the world can my saying, I put my faith in Christ, save me in view of the fact of these wrongs? How can faith in Christ take these wrongs and right them? You and I may say, I know God's a God of love, but I know he's a God of justice. And when I stand before him, every wrong in my life's got to be righted. It's got to be atoned for. It's got to be made up for. How can a simple thing of putting my childlike trust in Jesus, how can it right that wrong? It's got to be righted. How about all my sins of deeds and of acts? Isn't it a tremendous thing to know that in the good news, there is revealed that Christ also, he righted that wrong. You may say, how could he do that? Why, he went to Calvary's cross and he asked the Father to lay on him the guilt of the entire world. To lay on him the guilt of every thought, word, or deed in your life and mine that is wrong. And he asked God to lay on him the very guilt and punishment of every wrong in the life of the entire human race. And you and I say, how in the world could he take that load? He could do it because he was the Son of God, because he was divine. And he did it again. How could he do it for generations yet unborn? The Word of God assures us that the sacrifice of Calvary, it was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was a timeless sacrifice. Bear in mind that faith in Jesus Christ, it takes every wrong in your life and mine and it writes it in the sight of God because Jesus, when we're joined to him, he took again the wrong of everything that is sinful in your life and mine. And on the cross he bore the guilt and punishment. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he was forsaken of God, he bore hell and damnation for every sin of act in thought, word, and deed in your life and mine and in the life of the entire human race to the end of time. This is what he did. And therefore, is it any wonder Paul says, I don't know about you, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm proud of it. I'm desperately proud. I, I don't blush when I talk about this good news. I am not embarrassed. It doesn't humiliate me. Paul says, I want to go to Rome and I want to preach it there. I am desperately proud because it's the good news that said, here is no less than life and salvation. Just believe in Christ. Put your faith in him. Because in the moment in your life and mine, when you and I say, I put my faith and my trust in him as my Savior, in that moment Christ says, here, I give you the writing of the wrong that I righted for you. Here, I righted this wrong of all your actual sins. Here it's all righted, and I give you that. And that means that God delights in saying, why, those wrongs have all been righted. Every dirty, stinking thought that you've ever had, 
every dirty, stinking word that you've ever spoken, every dirty, stinking deed that you've ever done. When you and I say, I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior, God says, it's all been righted. My son on the cross, he bore that guilt and that punishment. And God says, I delight, therefore, in giving you life and salvation. Oh, because you have believed, you are saved. Because faith in Jesus, it rights every wrong. God must save you and me when we put our faith in Christ. There's no other alternative. God does it because he wants to, but he has to. Because in the moment in your life and mine, when we say, Lord Jesus, I put my faith and my confidence in you as my Savior, in that moment God is obligated because in that moment Jesus said, I give you the righting of the wrong of everything in your life that's wrong. And therefore God says, I don't see anything wrong. It's all been atoned for. It's all been paid in full by my Son. And therefore you are exempt from hell and eternal damnation. Paul says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Be proud of it. Thank God for it. When he calls on you and me, just don't be ashamed of it. We ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to heed that. I'm not going to let anybody shame me and make me feel embarrassed and make me blush because of the gospel, the good news of Christ, this powerful good news that offers no less than eternal life. And it's to just believe it and you absolutely will be saved. There's no doubt about it. There's no question about it because... Paul says, this is the good news. It reveals how God writes wrong. God did it in Christ. Don't you know, this is the good news. It's faith, first, last, and always, Paul said. That's what the Old Testament taught. Don't you know? Paul said, I'm desperately proud of it. When you and I can believe it, then we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to be so proud of it that I'm going to share it. I'm going to share this gospel. I'm going to share this good news with this conviction that it's got all the power that it needs in order to win men for Jesus Christ. Paul said, when he wrote to the congregation in Rome, he said, I, I feel, he said, a, a universal obligation because of the gospel that I'm not ashamed of. So I'd love to come to Rome. You see, he didn't establish that congregation at Rome. Uh, Paul had never been to Rome. Christians who had went and emigrated to Rome, they started the first Christian congregation. It was not Paul. And that's why Paul said, I'd love to visit you. And I'd like to preach the gospel in Rome. Because he said, I'm not ashamed of it. See, Paul had a conviction. Paul said, it's God's dynamite. It's got everything that it needs. You know, the tragic thing that is happening in the church today is that even in the church there is a lack of confidence in the dynamite of the gospel. Oh, we're reading even, even in our own church papers. We're reading in the, again, the newspapers and the magazines that the church is saying that the gospel is failing. It doesn't have the power. And therefore, because it doesn't have the power, we're going to have to turn to something else. And so many in the churches are saying the day of mission work is over. The day of sending a missionary to foreign field to preach the good news, that's a thing of the past. Because, again, they don't want that. We're going to have to send missionaries to show them how to live. We're going to have to show them how to be fed. And we're going to eliminate poverty. And these are all symptoms, well and good in themselves. But isn't it tragic when the church loses confidence in the power of the gospel? We say, oh, what's wrong with the world today? Or you can mention a thousand things, but when we say these are all symptoms, we say, what's the real thing that is wrong? Isn't it this? It's that man is in enmity against God. 
we've turned our backs on God. And when we've turned away from God in hostility, then there is this spirit of revenge and hatred to our fellow man. Then all things happen because, in essence, we again, we are not reconciled to God. The remedy, then, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's rather tragic when the church says, we're going to do other things. And these other things are going to deal with symptoms. I don't know how you're going to get race hatred out of a man's heart until you bring him to Jesus Christ. When we go low on the gospel, I'm convinced that in the church today, the reason for the apathy, the reason for the indifference, the reason for the lack of spirit is this, that we've lost confidence in the power of the gospel to transform human lives. We say, let the heathen go. We say, after all, the man that has lived and died without Christ, he's all right. Paul says, wait a minute. Paul says, even the man that lives and dies without Christ, he said he's not without excuse. He can't excuse himself. Paul said he can look in the world and he sees the power of God and he knows there must be a God. Does he live in accord with the God that even he can see? The tragedy of missionaries tell us that even amongst cannibals who, again, would kill human beings, that they had to admit that when they did it, even when they didn't hear about the word of God, their conscience bothered them. All that God needs to say to a heathen man, did you live by the light that you had? Did you live by the light of the God that you saw in nature? And every heathen man's got to say, no, I disobeyed. When the world is crying, Paul says, are you ashamed of the gospel if every decent thing that we've had in the world has come through the proclamation of the gospel? And we're going to have to say to ourselves today, this is the job. This is the panacea. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, when men are reconciled to God, then we're going to see again some of the good things that we want to see, but without it, God pity the world when the church fails to preach the gospel. When you and I will share it with the conviction that it's the power of God, the joy of seeing souls saved and of knowing we've done something to make the world a better place. Because when a man comes to faith in Jesus Christ, then in Christian love he knows how to treat his fellow man. And this is what's wrong in our world, isn't it? Paul, when he wrote to the congregation of Rome, he said, I I'm not ashamed of it. I don't blush when I hear the good news. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not humiliated by it. I don't wish I was someplace else. Paul says to me, listen, he says, the gospel, it's the grand good news that offers no less than eternal life and everlasting salvation. Just believe in Christ. Just put your faith in him. Just put your confidence in him, and you'll be saved absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt. And you and I can say, how in the world can a thing like faith in Jesus save me? How can it right all the wrongs in my life? And we're right when we say, I've got sense enough to know that every wrong in my life has got to be righted if I expect to be saved. Yes, sir, the books have got to be balanced. But Paul said, don't you know that the gospel is the good news of how God has righted wrong? He's done it in Christ. And Paul would remind you and me that faith in Christ saved because it joins us to Christ who has righted all of our wrongs. We say, what wrongs has he righted? Paul reminds us, not only has he righted the wrong of our original sin, not only has he righted the wrong of our sins of acts, but Paul says, he's righted this wrong that all we have are filthy rags to offer God in exchange for heaven. 
You may say, how in the world can faith in Christ save me when I don't have anything but stinking deeds to offer God in exchange for heaven? You and I may say, we can look at the best things that we've ever done and we see selfishness. We say, I don't have any perfect works. I don't have any goodness. I have no merit. Even though I try to live with the light I have and treat my neighbor right, I fail and come short. I have a wrong and it's got to be righted. And if it isn't righted, how in the world can I be saved? And Jesus says, if you believe in me, don't forget, here's good news. I came into the world and I righted this wrong of your filthy rags, of the fact that you have no merit. You have no righteousness to offer the Heavenly Father for eternal life. And Jesus says on the cross, when I bore the guilt and the punishment of the world, when I was obedient to the Heavenly Father, when I obeyed the Ten Commandments, I did it for you. And when I died on the cross, I did it for you. And I earned and merited a glorious 100% righteousness for all men. And Jesus says, when you believe in me, I write this lack in your life. I write it because in the moment when you put your faith in me as your Savior and as your Lord, I give you this writing of this wrong, and I give you a 100% righteousness. And in that moment, God says, because you have a 100% righteousness, well, therefore, here is heaven, here is life, here is everlasting salvation, here is eternal bliss, now to enjoy and in eternity to enjoy it fully. And God's got to do it. Well, we may say, how can you be proud of the gospel when, again, it sort of tantalizes us and says, here's good news, here is life and salvation. Then it says, just believe it, just put your faith in Christ. This may bother us and bug us, and we may say, how in the world can putting faith in Jesus, how can that somehow or other take all my wrongs and right them? And Paul says, well, that's the heart of the gospel. This reveals how God has righted wrong. God has righted every wrong in your life and mine in Jesus Christ. He gives us a perfect 100% righteousness in the moment of faith so that God has no other alternative. God says... Why, you're perfect in my sight. You have this wrong righted in my son. Well, therefore, you're saved. This is the gospel. How in the world can you and I ever be ashamed of it? God again asked. He couldn't have asked anything less. Just believe, he says. Will you just put your faith? And it looks like a small thing, an inconsequential thing. It looks like something to say, well, how... Oh, how can it mean anything? Uh, just a childlike faith. Oh, when we are proud of the gospel because faith in Jesus does save, it rights every wrong in your dirty, stinking life and mine, then we ought to say, I, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm proud of it. We ought to say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ in spite of the things in my life, in spite of the wrongs, that somehow or other I despair of, and I don't see how faith in Jesus could ever take them away. There may be some here this morning who can say, how can faith in Christ ever again right the wrongs that I've committed in my life? And Paul says, wait a minute, son. If you're going to say that, let me mention myself. Paul's going to say, I don't know what the wrongs in your life are, but I'd like to tell you what the wrongs in my life were. I'd like to tell you that as far as I'm concerned, I'm the greatest sinner that ever lived. Paul says, I say that not braggingly. I say that in humiliation. I am the chief of sinners. Paul would say, you talk about the wrongs in your life. Do you know that I persecuted Christians and I killed Christians? 
You know that I hated Jesus Christ with a vengeance and I went out and I threw Christians in jail and I brought them to death. Can you match that? Then Paul says, this was the wrong in my life, but I met my Christ on the Damascus way and I put my faith in him and I have discovered this glorious grand good news that in putting my faith and trust in him as my Savior, he righted that wrong for me too. A man once said to me, when I think of the wrongs in my life, there's no hope for me. And I said, why not? I said, I hate to tell you. I said, you can tell me anything you want to tell me. But he said, I've been guilty of cohabiting with my own mother. He said, do you mean to say that there is any hope that that wrong could be righted? And I looked at him and I said, oh, yes. I've got a Christ that went to the cross and righted even that wrong. That's what put him on the cross for you. He righted the wrong of you cohabiting with your own mother. I've had fathers come and say to me, it's rather hopeless. I don't see how putting my faith in Christ can save me. I've been guilty of cohabiting with my own daughter. Is there any hope? Thank God there's a good news that I can say. Jesus on the cross, he righted that wrong too. You put him on the cross and he died for the guilt and the punishment of that sin too. And I have said, can you say I'm sorry? Yes, we can say I'm sorry. Can you say I put my faith and my trust in you? If you can in that moment, every dirty, stinking wrong in your life is right. I had a woman say to me one day, I shot and killed my husband. How in the world can faith in Christ right that wrong? And again, the joy of saying to her, but Christ, he righted that wrong on the cross. That's why he died for you. He bore hell for that sin. I've had men and women say, oh, if I could just turn back the universe and give me yesterday, breaking up a home and what I've done to my kids and what I've done to my family and I can't write it. How in God's name do you say the gospel is good news that if I put my faith in Christ, that can be right and say, oh, yes. That's what he went to the cross for. Why die? He righted that sin. That's why he says if you believe in him. This is the good news of the gospel. Wherein the righteousness of God. How God righted wrong. Was made known. May I say it's never hopeless. I don't care what we are. Who we are. What our wrongs. Jesus says. I've righted all of them. If you believe in me. You've joined yourself to me. I've righted the wrong of your original sin. I've righted the wrong of your actual sin. I've righted the wrong of you having nothing but filthy rags. Here is my righteousness. No wonder Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I was listening to the radio in my car as I was calling the other day, and a 19-year-old girl, maybe some of you heard it, who's been on dope, she spoke, and it, to me it was tragic. They said, why are you on dope? And she said, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, oh this world is so terrible. I'm afraid. Oh, I, just, I just can't face the world. And so I take dope. I thought, oh, God, hasn't somebody told her 
about Jesus Christ. The fate of the world, but death's coming too. Fate to die. Oh, somebody hasn't told that if you just say, I'm sorry, Jesus, and put your faith in him, then everything's all right. You don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. This is the gospel. What the gospel did for Paul, it will do for you and me. It is no secret what God can do, is it? What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Oh, let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why, it's no less than the part of God unto salvation. To everyone that says, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I put my faith, my trust, and my confidence in you. Hallelujah. What a gospel. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.